Thank you. For your good singing. I love to hear the good songs and uh, everybody joining in. It's funny, it's like, you know, a real manly man coming out the streets and, and um, we don't sing that often, you know? Guys just don't sing very much and they get to church and it's okay to sing and it's, it's a beautiful thing. I, re- I really like that. And I guess ladies do too. Um, maybe most maybe you ladies don't sing. Uh, just one of those things. It's Valentine's Day. Hope you guys didn't forget. Like somebody said, you might be in the doghouse. Might not be a good day for you if um, just now remembered that it's Valentine's Day. So hopefully uh, you did, did remember, and if you didn't, hopefully you can have fun trying to make up for it later. It's always, uh, either way you go, uh, oftentimes it, it works just fine. So um, I, I found a whole bunch of really cheesy Valentine quotes, and some of them are really cheesy. Some of them are cheesier than others, and, um, but most of them are pretty good. And so I used most of them on my wife this morning, and it seemed to bring a smile. Almost everyone seemed to bring a smile. I don't think she found them all, um, but I hit them all over the house, and put some in her purse and put some under the mirror in the, in the car and did all kinds, hit them all over the place. And um, so I want to share some of those with you this morning. Um, I think you'll get a kick out of them. It says, you are so beautiful, cupcake, in a world full of muffins. <laughs> you are my sun, my moon, and all of my stars. If I could give you one thing in life, I would give you the ability to see yourself through my eyes. Only then would you realize how special you are to me. Oh. You plus me equals awesome. You are the peanut butter. Oh, no, wait. You are the peanut to my butter, the milk to my cookie, the water to my ocean, the spring in my step, the glaze on my donut, the flip in my flop, the cherry on my sundae, the sweet of my dreams, the cheese to my macaroni, the blue to my sky, the best to my friend, the twinkle in my eye, the beat of my heart, the love of my life. Guys, let me tell you something. I've already tried all these. So if I were you, I'd get out your pen and paper and write some of these down because they work. They brought a smile. Everyone brought a smile this morning. It says, be with a guy who ruins your lipstick, not your mascara. Guys may not get it. The girls do. It says, I think you are suffering from a lack of of vitamin me. (laughs) You're pretty much my favorite of all time in the history of forever. You're my favorite blanket stealer. (laughs) Somebody steal the blankets at your house? (laughs) Only on the cold nights, right? I know they say there's plenty of fish in the sea, but I think you're my Nemo. Oh, how cute. 
If you ask me how many times you've crossed my mind, I would have to say once because you never really left. On a scale of one to 10, you're a nine and I'm the one you need. (laughs) I love my eyes when you look into them. I love my name when you say it. I love my heart when you touch it. I love my life. Because you're in it. Sounds like a Hallmark card, right? (laughs) And suddenly, all of the love songs were about you. Oh, how cute. Brendan doing any of these? Has he said anything? Is he a romantic guy? That's good, good. If nothing lasts forever, please be my nothing. Oh. They say Disney World is the happiest place on earth. Obviously, they have never been in your arms. (laughs) Oh, man. Sorry, I can't help it. Where did all this come from? BJ gave us a couple of explanations. We're going to go with one of them. Uh, Back about 250 years after Jesus... Uh, was born in Bethlehem. There was a guy by the name of Valentine. And he lived in Rome during the reign of Emperor Claudius, uh, who was very committed to rebuilding the, the once great Roman army. He believed it was important for men to volunteer for service rather than be drafted into the service and, uh, against their will. And, but given the choice, most young men in Roman Empire refused to serve. They would rather stay home with their wives and children and, instead of going off to battle. So Claudius came up with the idea and came to believe that only single men would volunteer for service. So he issued a royal edict that banned all further marriages. He actually outlawed the weddings in the Roman Empire altogether, earning himself the nickname Claudius the Cruel. Yeah, I suppose that would be a good name for someone who eliminated weddings from the Roman Empire. Valentine thought it was ridiculous. One of, one of his favorite duties as a minister was to marry young people. So after Emperor Claudius passed this law, Valentine secretly continued performing these marriage ceremonies. He would whisper the words of the ceremony while listening for soldiers on the steps outside. One night, Valentine did hear footsteps at his door. The couple he was marrying was able to escape, but he was caught. He was thrown in jail and sentenced to death. Valentine tried to stay cheerful. Many of the young people he had married came to visit him in jail, and they threw flowers and notes uh, into his window. They wanted him to know that they, too, believed in love. One day, he received a visit from the daughter of one of the prison guards. His father allowed her to visit him in the cell, and they often sat and talked for hours. She believed he did the right thing by ignoring the emperor and, and performing weddings. On the day that Valentine was to die, he left her a note thanking her for her friendship and loyalty. And he signed it, like BJ said, love from your Valentine. That note started a custom of exchanging love notes on Valentine's Day. It was written on the day he died, February 14th, 269 AD. A day that was set aside in honor of this man who gave his life, forgotten for love, And now every year on this day, people remember Valentine. But most importantly, they think about love. Hmm. 
<laughs> love schmuck. Everyone loves love, though, don't they? You can, you can find the manliest man, the girliest girl. It doesn't make any difference. Love is still important. We want to be loved, and we want to give love. The problem is, is that our love is lacking, kind of like we are. Some of us are confused about love. Like the little five-year-old Carrie who, who told her teacher, love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on shaving cologne and they go out and smell each other. <laughs> I don't think there's a little bit more to it than that, but we'll go with that. My question for you is today, today is this. How do we develop and nurture a love worth recycling? I'll explain what I mean by the recycling part. But go with me. In the book of John, chapter 15, we find a passage of scripture jam-packed full of love. John chapter 15, and we're going to start reading in verse 9. John chapter 15 and verse 9. Let's look to God in word of prayer before we go there. God, we thank you so much for the love that you have, that you have for us and the love that you share with us. And we understand that our love is incomplete without yours. God, I pray that as we look into these things and understand them better, that we'll, we'll get the fact that, that our love will never compare. We'll never be what your love is. But God, it's the thing we want to strive for. It's your love that we want to strive for. And it's your love that we want to receive and we want to reciprocate and that we want to recycle. God, I pray that we'll be able to understand these things further as we study them out this morning. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 15 and verse 9. Jesus is, is sharing his final thoughts and ideas with the disciples. He have, he's had these young men following him around. And uh, they have been his, his disciples, his followers, his Talmudim, uh, as a Jewish term that, that they use for, for the followers. And he's sharing his love. He's sharing this last little bit uh, with them and making sure that they know that he loves them. Look at verse 9, John chapter 15. It says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command love each other. Jesus had a lot to say about love. His final night with his followers was no exception. During the course of the evening, which actually begins back in chapter 13, carries all the way through chapter 17 here, Jesus uses the L word 30 times in 18 different verses. It doesn't take a Bible scholar to see that love meant a lot 
to Jesus. That this was his central message to his disciples. Our text this morning focuses on just a little piece of it. But I think we'll be able to answer the question of how to develop a love worth recycling. If we're going to do that, we need to first receive his love. What does that mean? Well, it means to accept it. It means to take it on as your own. It means to, to, to get a hold of what God's love really is. Jesus knew that, that the time for him to leave the world had come. He knew that the time he had, he had left with the disciples was very short. And he wanted to spend that time showing them the full extent of his love. In chapter 15 and verse 9 there, it says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. He loved his disciples, but he loves you too. Why has this simple, silly song that we have just sang impacted the world like it has? Well, because it's, it's really every, everything that, that God's message has is encompassed in those few simple words. The song appeared first in a children's novel as a poem written by Anna Warner in 1859. One of the characters in the story confronts or comforts rather a dying young man, a dying child with these words. He sa- she said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. A couple years later, William Bradbury stumbled across it and wrote his own little tune and added the chorus. Within months, this melody spread across all of North America like wildfire. A simple poem from an obscure novel became the most well-known hymn in the world. It's been translated in more languages than any other song. And it's often used by missionaries as a teaching aid because they favor its simple and easy-to-learn chorus. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It's significant. Jesus does love each and every one of us. And receiving the love of Jesus and living in his love every single day is the first and most essential step to having a love worth recycling. John chapter 15 and verse 5, it says, Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. His love is characterized by sacrifice. In other words, as we draw closer to Christ and stay connected to him, he funnels his love into our hearts. I've used the term before, we are a conduit. Of God's love. We're a funnel. We catch all of this great love and we funnel it into, a, into ourselves and then we pass it on. John chapter 15 and verse 13, we see that, that his love was characterized by sacrifice. There is no greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. It's precisely what Jesus did. We need to receive his love. Accept the wonderful, undeniable truth that Jesus loves you and draw close to Him. Allowing Him to pour His love into our heart. That's the first step in attaining this love. And allowing it to be a love that we can pass on, that we can recycle. Secondly, we need to reciprocate His love. 
reciprocate. Well, that's a big word. I know there's a recip saw. Does that have anything to do with... No, it doesn't have anything to do with this. Sort of, but not really. In Jesus' day, a rabbi's disciples were generally known as his servants. But Jesus changed all that. Remember in this passage in verse 14 and 15 of John chapter 15. It says, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I call you friends because I have made known to you everything I heard from my Father. In your relationship with God, Jesus promotes you from servant to friend. Which sort of begs the question, what kind of friend are you? It's one thing to say that Jesus loves me, but it's a whole other thing to say, I love Jesus. Can you say that? Do you love Jesus? Do you love God? Is your, is your love for him reflected in how you live your everyday life? When we sing, oh, how I love Jesus, do you mean it? We will never be able to love people God has put in our lives if we don't start by reciprocating God's love. We have to love God back. We have to love Him back. God is extremely lenient here. Look at, look at Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. He, he's extremely lenient when it comes to our love for others and our love for Him especially. And He says, I quote, It's, it's a pretty good idea to love God with most of your heart and, and a good portion of your soul and, and lots of your mind and a good percentage of your strength. Is that what your Bible says? Is that what God asks of us? Nope. But you know what? I think that's the way we live at times. We live with reservations. We live our lives in our interactions with other people. We live with reservations. We don't give all back to God. We hold back. Mark chapter 12 and verse 30 actually says... And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, and with all your strength. There's nothing held back. Charles Spurgeon, one of, one of the great preachers of all time, was converted on January 6, 1850. And on February 1st, a little less than a month after he was converted, he wrote this following prayer of consecration. Listen to it. He says, O great and unsearchable God, who knows my heart and tries all my ways, with a humble dependence on the support of your Holy Spirit, I yield up myself to you as your own reasonable sacrifice. I return to you my own. I will be forever unreservedly, perpetually yours as long as I am on earth. I will serve you and I, will, I may enjoy you and praise you forever. Amen. One month after he became a Christian. There's some born again believers that never make it to that point in their lives. Their entire lives. 
You would think as we grow as a Christian, we would become more dependent on God. I think sometimes the opposite is true. God's love's still there. It's still great. It's still so insurmountable that we can't even fathom the amount of God's love. Yet, we don't let it funnel through us. We don't reciprocate our love back to God. Reciprocation is important. Why are dogs more enjoyable than cats? Dogs have almost this human ability to reciprocate love that we give them, don't they? Cats, on the other hand, have this attitude that they kind of look at you with this sort of rebellious contempt. Is that the best you can do? I'm not comparing you to dogs or cats, but sometimes I think our dogs do a better job of reciprocating our love than we do God's. I saw a video this week of a, of a dog that was in the back of a truck and an army uh, a person, a person in the military came home and as he was walking through the parking lot, the dog saw the, its owner and jumped out of the truck and ch- ran, after, ran to the, the owner of the dog and he had a hard time controlling that dog. The dog was jumping up and running around in circles and wagging his tail and running around in circles. He was so excited and so happy to be with his owner. I wish we could have just a little bit of that energy and that, that passion to reciprocate God's love. Our love for God, for Jesus, for the Holy Spirit must be the driving force of our lives. If, if everything we do isn't spurred by our deep love for God, then nothing we do really matters. So does reciprocating God's love manifest in practical ways? Yeah, I think it can. I think it should. So in other words, what does reciprocating God's love look like? It's not too much different from any other love relationship, really. It's built on trust. It's built on communication. It's built on adoration. You know, I mean, faith, prayer, worship, the things that we do here on Sunday mornings, the things that we do in our, in our daily devotion time, the things that we do, we bring God love and honor and support respect in that way. What's different about this love is that our love for God needs to be all-consuming. It, it needs to consume every piece of who we are. When I first met Carol. Falling in love was such an amazing experience, right? I thought about her constantly while I was riding my motorcycle, while I was trimming houses, while I was doing homework. It didn't matter what I was doing. I was always thinking about her. I couldn't stop thinking about this girl. I'd think about all the reasons why I loved her. It would consume me. It would, it would almost take all of my time if I let it. Thinking about her all the time made me, made me feel close. It helped me feel close to Carol even when I wasn't with her. By constantly thinking about her, I was persistent in my love for her and her love for me. I think in the same way, it's, it's essential that we 
love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul. It's an all-encompassing love. It's persistent. We're persistent in God's love, in our love for God and His love for us. We stay in it constantly. We reciprocate it. Paul says it in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. He says, take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. That's it, isn't it? We receive his love, we, we funnel it all in, we catch it all in the big pail and then we reciprocate it back. We give it back to him. We show him our honor by loving him back. And lastly, we recycle his love. It's a love that's already been given to us. The love that's already been given to us is, is the kind of love that we want to give to others. So it's already been shared with us once. So technically, it's not a new love. It's a recycled love, right? We've already gotten it from God, and we're passing it on to others. That's why I use the term recycle. John chapter 15 and verse 17 says, This is my command, love each other. Once we've received the love of Jesus in our lives and we reciprocate his love back to him, then we're ready to recycle that love, to share that love with the rest of the world. Jesus was very specific though. He, uh, he made it very clear on how we should share that love. John 15 and verse 12 says, this is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. This commandment kind of knocks the walls off of of cheesy love quotes. It sort of takes every definition of love and kind of tosses it right out the window and and ups Annie a bit, doesn't it? All those definitions and all those things we come across in, whether it's Webster's Dictionary or whether it's something we find on the internet or it's Wikipedia, it doesn't matter what it is, our definition of love, this kind of love blows it out of the water. Those definitions limit the scope and intensity of our love. God's definition doesn't limit it. It has no reservations. It gives it completely unselfishly. Just hours before issuing this comprehensive command, Jesus demonstrated it. The spring showers would have made it most likely the Palestinian dirt as thick as sledge, probably several inches deep. The country roads and even the city streets would have been caked with mud. Mud which was oozed in between the toes of those wearing sandals. Have you ever worn sandals in mud? And it oozes in between your toes. Picture 12 guys. Some fishermen, some tax collectors, some uh, from various walks of life. They meet in the upper, upper room after walking through these muddy streets. It was customary for a servant to use a basin of water and clean towel to wash their dirty feet before sitting down to dinner. As the disciples reached the upper room, they probably spotted the towel and water basin easily enough, but there were apparently no servants around. So while the rest of them gathered around the table, tracking mud through the house, Jesus prepared to do something wonderful. John chapter 13 and verse 3, it describes it. 
Jesus knew that the Father had given him power over everything. And that he had come from God and he was going back to God. So, knowing those facts, during the meal, Jesus stood up and took off his outer clothing. Taking a towel, he wrapped it around his waist. Then he poured water into a bowl and began to wash the followers' feet. Drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the Alpha and Omega, got on his knees and washed filthy Palestinian feet. It's almost too much to believe. But it's even more amazing when we realize that it was a demonstration not only in humility and service, but of unrelenting love. What an experience this must have been like for these boys. We can't even bend down sometimes to tie our kids' shoes. And the very Son of God got down on his knees and washed these disciples' feet. In all honesty, it's one of, the, one of my favorite things to do. I watch for kids with untied shoes. And if you want an instant friend from a little person, all it takes is you get down on all fours. You get down on your hands and knees, and you say, give me that shoe right up here. And they walk up to you and they put your shoe up on your leg. And you start tying their shoe and that gives you a chance to look up into their eyes. Ask them their name. Talk to them for just a second while you tie their shoe. It's a fun thing to do. I make a habit of it. It's amazing what an impact it makes on a child. Try it. You won't be sorry you did. It's fun. It's, it's love recycled. That's what that is. Our drive and desire in this life is to provide others with the same type of love that Jesus did. We need to start with those closest to us. Oh, those people don't matter. They live in the same house as me. I don't have to show them love. They leave stuff out just to annoy me. We need to start with the ones closest to us. Learn to serve them first. It's going to be easier to serve others if you serve them first. We often say, well, oh, they're, they're family. And they already know that I love them. It'll be all right. That's not this kind of love. This kind of love serves unrelentingly. It's a relentless love because it's love recycled. As we seek to grow in our capacity to love, have a love truly worthwhile, we must recycle God's love. Valentine may have become an infamous for, very infamous for defying the emperor and standing up for marriage. But what really made him a love recycler was that he received the love of Jesus, reciprocated that love and recycled it through a life of service. When you and I do that, we're no less than Valentine. Just think, maybe a couple thousand years from now, they'll name a holiday after you. Instead of signing that card with love from your Valentine, maybe it'll be with love from your Justin or your BJ or your Larry or your Greg or your Ron. 
I want this church to be more than anything else a community of love. I want to be able to come here and I want you to be able to come here and feel totally and completely loved. Nothing, according to Jesus, is more important than loving God and loving people. Let's make our primary goal, not just on Valentine's Day, but in our hearts every single moment of every day to recycle God's love. If we love each other as God has loved us, we will become a church of love that will act like a magnet, drawing people who are starving for love into the presence of an almighty God. To a Jesus that, that offers salvation. Receive God's love, reciprocate it, and recycle it. Boulder's never seen the recycling of, of this church. There may be green up there and they may recycle everything and they may be a bunch of tree huggers. But join me in the best kind of recycling our planet will ever experience and be a love recycler. I think it's a good idea. And you know what? It feels good too. It'll, make, it'll put a smile on your face. It'll make you full of joy when you recycle God's love. Thank you for your attention this morning. I hope there's been some things that we've been able to share that will bless your life and uh, impact your, your heart and soul and make Valentine's Day a little bit better. And um, Don't wait for Valentine's Day, though, to come around. Make it every day. Make it all the time. Just make it a, a way of life. Um, serving others and loving them like God wants you to. We've got...